Welcome to episode one of Master the Mouse. My name is Aaron. Partnering with me on this podcast journey uh, is Griffin. Griffin, how are you tonight? I'm good, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Excited to be yeah. here. Uh, absolutely. Hey, everyone that's listening out there, uh, thank you so much for taking some time to listen to to Griffin and I just babble and, and share our love and, and passion for Disney. Um, passion is probably what, the right word, maybe obsession. Um it's it's centered around disney vacationing but um we just appreciate uh the the time that you guys will spend listening to us uh share about the things we love so anyway to get the ball rolling we'll tell you a little bit about ourselves uh and then we'll shed some light on why we thought we should create this podcast and and what it's all about and what we're trying to get out of it so first things first griffin um, tell us, tell the people out there a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, uh, living in the Nashville area, work in the healthcare industry and, uh, got married, four kids, um, all are eight and under. So just for when it comes to Disney trip planning, um, that will be applicable, but, uh, yeah, love to spend time with my kids. And, uh, that's a big part of why uh, I love Disney. Yeah, and so a little bit about me. Uh, married, have two kids, um, both under the age of six. Um, and I, too, work in the healthcare industry, though Griffin was being modest. He's a clinician by trade. I am not. Uh, I work in the front office. Everything's aspect. important. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I work in the, in the back office aspect of healthcare uh, in the IT industry. Uh, so that's a little bit about me. I, I too, live in the Nashville area, uh, which tends to be regarded as kind of the healthcare capital of the United States, believe it or not. Most people think country music, um, but uh, healthcare is a, a big industry for us, too. Um, but back to the matter at hand, uh, Griffin and I both just end up spending a lot of time talking to each other about Disney. Griff, what would you say is the one thing about Disney that, that keeps drawing you back or the one thing about Disney that you love or always is at the top of your mind? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the one place I know that all my kids will hang out with me all day and all of us together and we'll have a great time. So that's, that doesn't always happen at home. Um, but truthfully, I don't honestly know why, why I like it so much. And you, you know, this story, but, uh, I mean, I'm fairly new to the Disney game, just a couple of years ago, planning a trip, had a Disney planner like most people do. Uh, just so happened that our, our Disney planner was pregnant, had a child, and basically I was left out there by myself um, and kind of dove head in, ended up planning the whole trip by myself. And uh, that's the part I love the most. I love going, um, but I love having a trip to plan. I love planning other people's trips. Um, there's just, you know, the nerd that comes out in me. Um, but it's a it's a relaxing thing thing to do. I don't know if you feel like that, but it's um, I think everybody's got that time in their day where they're doing something pointless on their phone. That that time for me is usually spent learning about Disney. So uh, I love it. But uh, what about you, Eric? In the parks, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Either born or conceived, one one of the two. <laughs> um, no, I uh, yeah, I grew up going to Disney, um, not very frequently, uh, but we went fairly often i was i don't know grade school middle school something like that when when we i remember when we stayed at the resorts for the first time we actually stayed at caribbean beach uh, i'll never forget it. it was the it was a huge deal to our family that we stayed on site um and there's just a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in it for me but you know griff you brought up a good point that i think a lot of people get burned out on is the the, the trip planning aspect of totally yeah disney you know you you start 
when you when you hear people at the office or you know at church or wherever you might be the grocery store i don't know um and you're like hey i'm going to disney this far hey i'm going to disney this summer a lot of people are like oh are you ready for that like it's like this whole exhausting exercise they have to go through just to get prepared mentally right um not to mention the physical toll it takes on your body when you're walking around the parks but you know a lot of people that's i think that's why they they're kind of one and done on the Disney experiences because right. it, it every is, 10 years or something like that. Yeah. And they, and I tell people all the time, I don't, I don't know if, if you've had these conversations um, where you work, but you know, I'll catch people in the break room talking about, Oh yeah, we took the kids to Disney and I'll, and I'll never go again. It was just so tiring. It took too much work. It was so expensive. Yeah. And every time I want to butt into their conversation and say, well, that's because you're doing it wrong. Right. Totally. Um, there's a there's, right way and a wrong way to do this stuff. Yep, totally. I think you're you're kind of hitting at what we kind of think the heart of this podcast is. I think is that um, saving time while you're at Disney, but also saving money. I mean, I, I think with the things that you know that you can share with the uh, the listeners. I mean, there's no reason you should be able to double the amount of trips you go to Disney for the same price as you would spend on the rack rate stuff. So, I mean, that to me that's a game changer. I mean, if you can save time while you're there. And you can save money. You're able to go more, able to have more fun with your family. That's a win for everybody. Yeah, you know, you're right. This is exactly why we started this podcast is we've had several conversations where either we've been in, you and I have had them or we've had them with other people. And, and there really is a right way to do Disney, to, to have that fully Disney immersive experience and, and to really walk away thinking, man, you know, not only did I have a great time, but my family had a great time. Um, yeah, totally. and, and it, and it, it's one of those things you walk away and, and, and you know you're a Disney geek when your vacation ends and you immediately start thinking about when you can start planning your next one. Oh, yeah. No, I, I need one on the horizon at all times. So. And I, lo- I love that feeling of, and I know the listeners can relate to this, but you put a ton of time in it and, and your kids don't even have to think about all that. But they just walk in and have this immersive, not perfect, but experience of getting to do everything they did. And they have no idea the work you put in beforehand and I, I don't want them to do, but I mean, as a dad, that, that part's super gratifying. If I'm trying to think about why I truly like it or doing it for friends, friends that I don't even go with them, but I plan them a trip down to every detail. And then they come back and tell you about how much they loved it. That, that part makes it worth it to me. Yeah. Even, you know, I remember, you know, my daughter seeing, you know, Mickey Mouse for the first time and running up to her and running up to Mickey and giving him a, a great big hug. And just the, the look on her face, it was like, you know, all the, the hours and let's be honest it, as much as we sit here and we talk about saving time and money it's going to take some legwork to plan a disney trip and, and it's going to take some legwork to save a bunch of money but it can be done yeah yep. um and it's totally. not as hard as people think and so but yeah you're right all that stuff makes it uh worthwhile for sure yep so that's a little bit about us and our background and where we're coming from and what we've experienced and, and what we think about disney and disney vacationing but we wanted to give you a, a little bit of a, an overview of what to expect from Griffin and I, but we didn't want to leave you with, with nothing. Uh, so we'll each give us, uh, we'll each give you the top tips that we have as it pertains to saving both time and money. And so Griffin, why don't you start us off? Why don't you give us your um, favorite money saving tip? Sure. Uh, and we'll get in the weeds here a little bit, which you know I love to do. But uh, <laughs> I, I got I got two words for you: convention tickets. And I think for some of our listeners, they'll know all this. But I think there's probably a decent amount of people that don't know this. But for those of you that don't know, if you're not thinking about it, when you go to buy tickets, probably if you do what I did the first time, you go on Disney's website via your Disney planner and you buy a package with tickets and 
hotel all wrapped into one. And if you like me and you got several kids, that, that vacation ends up costing several thousand dollars. But the reality is there is a better way. And one of the ways uh, that both of us have kind of recently discovered and explored the past year or so is convention tickets. So there's lots of Disney conventions. You may think, oh, well, I'm not going to convention. Well, the reality is it doesn't really matter. And we can get these links up on our Facebook or whatever we end up going with as far as getting information out to the to the listeners. But uh, there are several websites you can go to. The one that I've been using, and I think you have as well, is the Grand Floridian Convention page. But basically, you go there through this hyperlink. You don't need a password, and you can buy convention tickets. Um, so I've got a few things to touch on there. Um, the savings, the, like just like Disney tickets, the savings are going to be best on the on the higher tickets. But for example, the, their three day park hoppers, their two day park hoppers, convention tickets are going to run about ten percent less than what you would buy buy on a regular Disney website, um, which is some legitimate savings, especially as you start buying bigger days and more kids. Um, you're going to get up there in several hundred dollars. You're going to save. So you're looking at ten percent. The other thing I know you've looked at before, Aaron, undercover tourists, which we've used before, really can't match that 10% on most of their um, of their tickets. Um, yeah. So 10%, and, and I need to say this because if you're a pessimist, you're probably thinking about it. Um, all information we have is that you can walk up to the gate with these convention tickets on your MagdaBand scan and walk right in, and no one's going to ask you, oh, what convention are you here for? Actually, my parents just went back in June and I did this exact thing for him, them, and I specifically told them to give me feedback to make sure no one questioned them. And they said no, nothing, nobody said a word to them about it. So um, you, it, it doesn't matter if you're going to a convention. If you want to be extra careful, I know you and I have talked about this. Could you get the name of a convention that's around town at that time? Sure, if you want to be extra careful. But uh, the reality is these tickets are cheaper. And like we're going to talk about in the future, you can buy these with Disney gift cards, which makes – basically stacks the savings and compounds the savings that you can get. Um, so that's what I like. Um, so just keep in mind that the two day park covers three day, that all those are going to be 10%. I don't know if you know this, but I started looking like a one day ticket is expensive and is expensive everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's no cheaper on the convention ticket. It's no cheaper on undercover tourists. They're all basically rack rate for one day. Um, yeah, yeah, I've noticed that too. You know, the savings opportunities that you end up finding through Disney uh, become exponentially greater the longer that you're willing to stay, uh, which is true across the board. You're right. And those, for those of you that don't know, um, because I'm anticipating that, that there's there's probably people out there that are going to listen that that know exactly what we're talking about when we say that convention tickets and Disney conventions. And there's other people that may listen to us for the first time and be like, what Disney has conventions. Yeah. So, so I, at a lot of these resorts that are on the Disney property, they have convention centers where it's not a Disney convention per se, where you talk about Disney stuff. It's like, Hey, the American medical association is going to come in and they're going to hold their four day conference at the grand Floridian hotel and spa. The convention just happens to be at a Disney hotel. And what right. Disney allows then at that point is for the attendees of that convention to buy discounted tickets. Now, they don't monitor who's an attendee and who isn't. Um, they just send the link out to make it available to purchase those tickets. And so that's kind of the back door that we're talking about right. is accessing the ability to buy those convention tickets at a much reduced rate. Yeah, because that link's just floating out there. It's not 
heavily guarded um, the links to get to these. Um, and then the probably one of my favorite things about the convention tickets are these partial day tickets, which you and I have talked ad nauseum about um, over the past several months. But basically, which doesn't exist on a normal, if you just go to DisneyWorld.com, you're not going to find these. But they have a f- after 5 p.m. ticket and an after 1 p.m. ticket that you can get in with. And this, to me, this still is money savings because if you think about a 5 p.m. ticket is $59 to get you in the door from 5 to whenever they close. That's the cheapest ticket that exists to step foot in a Disney park. Um, yeah, and that's great because it's crazy. Tack that on. Like, you know, if you were just going down for a long weekend, let's say you live in the Florida area or the southeast or, you know, you can, you're can you living in a southwest city and can snag a cheap flight from wherever you live to the Orlando area. You know, being able to come in maybe on a late Friday afternoon and spend, I mean, if you get in at one o'clock or even five o'clock for that matter, and the park's open till 11, spend a good six hours in the park. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that's a great way to save some save some money there. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what I was looking at, too, is if you had a long weekend before, if you didn't have this route, you would probably just have to buy a two, you know, if you bought a two-day park hopper, for example, for one person, that's 262 bucks for two-day park hopper. Or yeah. you could do two days, hang out in the pool in the morning, go in at 1 or 5 p.m., and that, 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 that experience of two 5 p.m. tickets would run you 120 bucks. Even if you wanted to splurge and do two 1 p.m. tickets, you're looking at less than 200 bucks. So, I mean, the savings there is, you know, for one person is almost $100, much less a whole family. And uh, I, I just think those, those excite me for when you have those shorter trips, like you said. Once you, if you're they're going to they're be there a week, chances are that's not going to be necessary. But these are really designed to save you money on the shorter trips. Yeah, sure. That's a great money-saving tip. And, and like Griffin mentioned, we'll go into a lot more details around some of these things so you guys have a better understanding of, of how to purchase these, when to purchase them. Um, we'll go into a lot more detail. We just want to, at first, just wet your whistle a little bit. Yep, absolutely. So, so my number one tip um, that I use every time that I go down to Disney is we rent DVC points. And and so some of you guys are familiar with, with DVC. For those of you that aren't, DVC is Disney Vacation Club. So basically, Disney uh, provides the opportunity people to buy into their timeshare and actually own a piece of the Disney magic at, at particular resorts around the Disney property. And what has happened because they've offered this is just like with any other timeshare, there's the opportunity to not necessarily purchase outright the ownership, but to rent the ownership from people that do own the properties. And so there is a whole sub market and there's, and there's various different ways to rent DVC points and, and calculators that help you determine how much points you need to rent. But every time that we've been to Disney World in, I'll say, the last probably five to ten years, we've rented DVC points. Not once have we ever booked through uh, the Disney website itself. Um, and, and that's the way that, that we save a lot of money. So I'll give you, I'll give you a quick example. In fact, I was, I was just helping uh, some friends of ours book their travel for their fall break coming up in September. Okay. They book, I booked them a um, – it, it, uh, it's a family of four. I booked them their entire package, uh, renting a DVC point. They're staying at the Animal Kingdom Lodge, which for those of you that aren't familiar with, is a, is a deluxe resort. So Disney has value, moderate, and deluxe, deluxe resort. So, um, you know, think, you know, McDonald's. Think then uh, Five Guys after that, and then think Steakhouse Burgers, right? Um, so – at Animal Kingdom Lodge, the Luck Resort, uh, with a savanna view out, outlooking the savanna with the animals on the concierge level, which is, you know, 
the creme de la creme of yeah, that's Disney a nice resorts, room. right? Yeah. It, it doesn't get much better than that. So I booked in that room for the four of them, plus their Disney tickets, plus their dining plane. Um, if I had booked that room in that package through Disney, that cost was going to be about $6,500 total. Yeah. Um, by booking it and renting it, uh, renting DVC points uh, for their vacation, and then, and then separately booking the tickets in the dining plan, it cost them right around $5,000. So, yeah. so right off the bat, they've saved $1,500 on their trip. Now, to me, that is substantial savings. That, you're talking about maybe taking an extra trip somewhere um, by saving that much money. Uh, so to me, that is my number one tip. I, it's my, that's my go-to no matter what. There's some stipulations around renting DVC points and things that you've got to keep in mind and, and uh, some restrictions from what kind of resorts that you can look into. But um, hands down, it, it, when people ask me what's the best way to save money when I, uh, on my Disney vacation, it is renting DVC points. Nice. So, yeah. again, we'll go into to a lot more detail on that in, in a future episode, but, but that's my number one on that's the your, money savings. And that five grand that you were talking about, is that that's, are you rolling tickets into that when you're calculating it? Yeah, that, that price included uh, lodging, it included meal plan, and it included park tickets, which were a five-day park hopper. Five-day park hopper. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Through not, not, and not convention tickets, probably. They were not convention tickets. I booked those tickets um, again. So there wasn't, there's more realized savings that I left out there. uh, But those tickets were booked through undercover tourist. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's the best one. And I think, you know, you've, you've done this for longer than I have as far as the DVC. It's going to of all the tips we're going to give that one. It's a time commitment to either do it yourself or, or have someone guide you. But it's also, like you said, it's the, it's the most substantial savings. Yeah, it um, requires that, that's a what little, allows you. Yeah, it requires a little bit more planning. Um, only, only from the sense of there's booking windows for the DVC um, usage, and so you got to plan a little far out in advance. So you got to know pretty early on in your planning process when you're going to go and kind of lock in those dates uh, for that trip. And, and if you're able to do that, um, yeah, you're right, Griffin. The the money savings potential is is pretty substantial. Yep. Yep. And I think, and we'll talk about this more later, but just you saying that reminded me, I don't know. I'm sure you have this where, you know, people know that you like Disney, they're coming up asking you questions and can't tell you how many people I run into who are, haven't even started planning, but they're, I well, when you go in and they're, they're four months out, they're six months out, they may, maybe even two months out and they're asking me for, you know, tips. And it's like, just tell me a year in advance and I will, I will help you and we can solve this. But I mean, yeah, the, the overarching point is, just put it on the date, but put it on the calendar a year from now and then start asking for help and research. And like, don't, don't wait. Cause the DVC, you know, like you said, there's very important booking windows that you would, you would lose if you, if you wait too long. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's just a good tip in general, regardless of money or time savings is the further that you can plan out your Disney vacation, the more money you'll be able to save. Totally. You'll learn more. And the, if there's people in your life that you're wanting to ask, they'll, they'll be able to help you more if you, if you just start early. So that, yep. yeah, that, that's a huge point. You can binge listen to our podcast and right. everything you need to know. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. We'll take All you right. through it. Switching over to the time savings tips. Griff, what's your number one time savings tip? So probably what I'm most passionate about when it comes to Disney is avoiding lines, uh, which is probably why I'm obsessed with fast passes and how to get as many of them as possible. But um, anytime that you're sitting in a line, I would much rather be on that ride as quick as possible. And all the vacations I've taken on there to this point with my kids, they've, I've had at least one kid that's 
two or three years old and waiting in an hour for a, for a ride just doesn't, doesn't work well. I mean, I know you've done that, uh, uh, but it's, you know, we, we try to avoid those at all costs. So I think um, Aaron's going to talk a little bit about fast passes, but I'm talking about specific times where you can get on rides with short lines. So I think we'll talk about rope drop, which is the start of the day is maybe not as well known as the end of the night. Wait for the, those big ticket attractions. We're talking mine train, flight of passage, all the toy story rides now, but basically your rides that are going to have hour plus waits all day. And I didn't know this till, you know, someone told me, you know, within the past year, but it, it, say the park closes at 11, you can get in line for Toy Story, or sorry, not Toy Story, let's say Slinky Dog. You can get in line at 10.59, and they will, unless the ride breaks, you're basically guaranteed to get on. And I don't know if your experience has been this, but it seems like most of the things I hear is that Disney may artificially elevate what number they put on the board there just to deter you from getting in yep. at 10.59. They want you to go home um, at that point, but they may put an hour wait when in reality that rate maybe 20 minutes. Um, so that's my one tip. If you're, if you don't want to see the fireworks that night, you got a big ticket attraction that you haven't seen yet. Get in line right before park close. And most of the veterans, you know, that, that blog about Disney all use this tip with a great amount of success. So I think the alternate to that is the rope drop. And we're both big proponents of this, which is get there early. Don't wait and stroll in the park an hour and a half after it opened, you're going to miss a huge window and you're just, your day's not going to be as enjoyable. So it's worth the investment to get up and depending on which park you're going to, depending on what ride you're going to would dictate when you need to get there, but you want to be there before park opens. So I think when you look at those two bookends, you can figure out pretty quick how I like to tour hard, you know, busy morning. And then as soon as it gets hot and as soon as it gets crowded, it doesn't matter how many rides I'm planning on running a day, I'm going to take a break. And most of the time that break's going to be, back at the hotel because if you're going to go back at night which in my opinion is the best time to be in the parks um, when it's cooled off and it's lit up then in general i, I just love to skip the, the middle part of the day go back to the hotel so um, that's more of a touring tip but um, those are my two favorite times to really if you don't have a fast pass how to avoid those heavy hour plus lines that that nobody wants to be in yeah you're right ed just from personal experience a couple of trips ago we happened to be at hollywood studios um and and we had already seen phantasmic we had already in previously in the trip and we'd already seen the uh the star wars star wars fireworks previously in the trip and so we found ourselves in hollywood studios during those times where those shows were going on and you wouldn't believe how empty the rest of the park was. Right. Those two things were going on. I mean, we, we literally walked off of Toy Story Mania and, and walked the turnstiles back into the ride and literally without any weight. It was just a revolving right. door of how many times we could ride that ride. So if you end up being there for an extended period of time uh, where you've already taken advantage of some of those nighttime offerings and have experienced them, or you just, you know, if you could take or leave fireworks, I'm, I'm a big fireworks guy. So yeah, even, even too. if I've seen them a thousand times, chances are, I'm probably just going to watch them again. <laughs> right. right. Totally. But, but, yeah. it, but if that's not your cup of tea and you'd rather be on the rides that you're right, that's a great time to experience it with, with virtually no wait time at all. Yep. And like you said, I mean, the, the, those theaters for Fantasmic, I mean, several thousand people that, that those experiences basically siphon away from the places in the park where you can be. So, I mean, that's that we'll get into that when we tour, uh, when we do like more touring plan podcasts. But really zigging when everybody else is zagging is a huge way to to navigate the parks, you know, eating lunch at 
3 p.m. or, or 11 a.m. And, instead of noon. Like you do, there's just little things like that. If you think about it ahead, you're just going to, your day will feel so much lighter and you'll experience more, uh, which is what we all want to do, obviously. Yep. Great tip. What mine do you think? Is, mine, is, uh, mine is a little bit more um, kind of basic, uh, just taking advantage of, of some things that Disney offers all of their guests. And, and you mentioned it, but it was utilizing that fast pass system. And yeah. so, you know, fast passes for those of you that aren't familiar with are, are basically um, a pass that allows you to cut the line and go to the front of the attraction. And Disney allows you to have three of those pre-selected for a given day in one park. And so let's just take an, a, a quick example. Let's say you're visiting the Magic Kingdom and you've decided that you're going to get a fast pass for um, the Peter Pan attraction and Splash Mountain and Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Those are, those are probably um, some of the top three attractions in yeah. the Magic Kingdom. And it, it's not unusual for those attractions to be 60 minutes or more. In yeah. fact, I've seen Mine Train, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, be upwards of 120 minutes. I've yeah. seen Peter Pan's Flight be about 90 minutes, um, similar with, with Splash Mountain. So it, let's just, for the sake of math, because math is hard, um let's say each one of those attractions is is a 60 minute wait uh so you're looking at three hours of standing in line waiting to ride right i mean that's half your day that's gone yeah Yeah. but if you strategically have placed your fast passes on those rides so it takes maybe maybe 10 minutes to ride splash mountain from beginning to end it's probably a little bit longer than that but we'll say 10 minutes for the sake of this argument 10 minutes to ride there um, let's say 10 minutes to ride. Let's just go 10 minutes across the board, 10 minutes to ride seven doors, mine train and 10 minutes to ride Peter Pan's flight. So you've essentially, instead of waiting in line for three hours, you're only waiting in line to ride those attractions for 30 minutes. Yeah. It's a game changer. And so now you've got half your day back and you've knocked out three of the top rides in that park and you're able to kind of see more, do more experience more just because you've used those fast passes in a way that, that allows you to save the maximum amount of time. And, and again, just to reiterate, we'll go through, you know, attractions that you should get fast passes for. There's, there'll be attractions that we'll mention that, that if you get one a fast pass for, for some rides, um, there'll be people that will probably laugh and snicker at you for getting a fast pass for that ride. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll go through all that. But that's probably my number one time-saving tip is just to, to maximize and utilize those fast passes as best as you can. Yeah, totally. And, that, and you kind of hit it on the – Disney offers fast passes for things that don't necessarily need fast passes. So right. it's, it's not as simple as just picking three and then you're successful. You just save two and a half hours. Um, just like you said, it's all about the times you pick and which rides you pick. Um, to get the maximum time savings. And I don't know what you think, but a huge part of this for me is that your your overall appreciation or enjoyment of the ride is affected by how long you wait for it. Um, I think Peter Pan's a great example. Tons of nostalgia there. The reality is that that ride is not long. Um, oh, it's what, so if, uh, 30 seconds, maybe yeah, 45 seconds? It, and it's beautiful, and I love it because it's one of the few that I remember most vividly from going when I was younger. But you're appreciation of that right and your kids appreciation of that right when you just walk up and get on it it's it feels so much more fun than if you waited two hours and then you get off it and you're like wait that that was it i mean i I think there's very few exceptions i think most people would say flight of passage is probably worth 
these insane weights that it that it garnishes. It um, is. But it most is. of these, <laughs> most of these, it matters how long you wait to like. I mean, Jungle Cruise is another example. Like you, you shouldn't wait an hour for Jungle Cruise. It's there's a ton of nostalgia with that ride, but I just don't. I don't. You think your kids will get off of it and be like, wait, that was it. Um, so I, to me, that that's another huge part of it. Is there I, I, my experience of how much I enjoy the ride is affected by how long I wait for it. Yeah, you've never heard anyone come back from their Disney vacation and say, man, I really enjoyed waiting in that Seven Dwarfs Mine Train line. Right. <laughs> no one says that. Um, similar with any ride that that's anywhere on the property. No one enjoys the lines. Now, there are some cool lines to, to wait in. Yeah. Um, you know, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, those there's some interactive things. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. <laughs> I, I know that there's some interactive things on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. There's some interactive things in Soren. There's interactive things in Space Mountain to make the wait a little bit more bearable. But right. if you had the option of waiting in line or not waiting in line, I think 100% of the time you would choose not to wait in line. Yep. And that's why I think that's why big reason why we love Disney and love this podcast is it is not that you need to spend more money to get that. You just, you know, you don't even need to be smarter than other people, but you just got to, it, it's kind of a game, right? It's, it's a nice little jigsaw puzzle that has, you know, it's it's not risky. It's not life changing to go to Disney World, but it is um, is super hey, that's fun. debatable. Yeah, that's true. It is life changing in in, a, in some ways, but uh, you know, it's it's fun to kind of feel like you've planned the perfect trip and you're running circles around most people that walk in that park and have no idea what they're doing. I think I'm always shocked by that, but I think everything we've ever heard is that the majority of people that walk in the park every day have no plan, no idea what they're doing. Yeah, and that's the difference I think between people. Um, I was listening to a yes to all of those that you were listening. We we listen to other people's Disney podcasts because that's how um, oh, yeah, totally. insanely passionate we are about this. But I was listening to a podcast for the first time the other day, a new one that I had picked up where they were saying, you know, there's 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 two kinds of people. There are people that plan their Disney vacation and have a great time and end up coming back and they figure out a way to do it better and better each time. And and that's why they love Disney because it's new, it's always new. They're always having a good experience when they leave. And then there's the, the other side of the coin where it's people that aren't prepared and right. go to Disney because kids have begging, been begging them to go. And, and so they go and they don't really plan it out. And they go and they wait in these three-hour lines in the blistering hot sun and they have a miserable time. And then they vow they'll never go back. Yeah, um, and totally. so And so it's kind of which camp do you want to be in? And me, fortunately, I, I'm in one of those camps. But I would hope that other people, as they're starting to listen to our podcast, they they you know learn enough to to be in the in the camp that that has a good time and, and can't wait to go back once uh, once they finish their trip. Oh yeah, totally. I think both you and I are are like this on all sorts of trips, not just Disney trips. But I feel like Disney rewards you more the most for planning compared to going to some random city for a weekend. I mean, you can plan and, and learn and learn where to go, but Disney really, it really benefits you to know your stuff before. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, for one, feel good about what we accomplished today. Griff, you feel good? I feel amazing, man. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, it's, like, it's like what we do anyway, so might as well uh, record it for everybody. Yeah, you know, we've gone from, just so all of you are, that are listening, neighbors and we would do the same thing that we just did except we would do it in our front yards and our wives would make fun of us yeah. and they would say they would have bets on how long it would take before we started talking about disney and it, i mean it wasn't yeah. very long 
uh, it, but but Griffin moved uh, across town, and <laughs> and so and so we've upgraded to now instead of standing in our front yards talking about this stuff to to creating a podcast so everyone else can uh, experience what we experience on a daily basis. But uh, anyway, that's a little bit about us. It's a little bit about the podcast and what we hope uh, you guys continue to get out of it. And you know, we'll be cycling back on on some of these topics that we brought up and, and introducing new things, you know, we're going to, we're going to dive into how to maximize your dollar at Disney, how to maximize your time when you're planning your trip. Maybe the, maybe just some general trip planning uh, tips that we can give folks. So we'll dive into all that stuff. Uh, thanks everybody for, for listening to us just gab and gab and gab about our passion for Disney. We hope that you enjoyed it. Hope that you got something out of it. If you have any questions at all, uh, we're still in the process of kind of getting this whole thing set up. But in the meantime, email me. Email me at Aaron at WDWConsultants.com. Ask us some questions. We'll answer them here on the podcast. We'll give you our opinions. We'll try to get you sorted out as best we can. Um, and, and let us know what we've, what we've been good at, what you learned, what we've been terrible at. Um, and we'll get better as we go on. So, um, Last thing before we head on out is rate us, review us, leave us some comments um, on iTunes, on Anchor, on whatever media platform that you're listening to us on. Um, do us a favor. Give us a review. Um, and, you know, it'll help our egos right. a whole lot if it. you do. And it'll give, us, it'll give us fodder to argue our wives against when they're like, you're doing this for no reason. And, if if a bunch of you like us and review us and listen to us, you know we we can. That's end right. Argument. That's right. That's what's important here. <laughs> All right, that's it from us. On behalf of Griffin and Master of the Mouse Podcast, I'm Aaron, and we'll see All you. Right, real bye, soon. guys.